0: Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. So we've been going through a very short sermon series leading into Advent called Pray Like Jesus and today we're going to talk about the coming kingdom and the will of God. But by a brief review last week we began our look at the Lord's prayer and we talked about how the Lord's prayer is a crutch, it's a road and a lesson from the theologian Packer said this. So it's a crutch where we can we don't know what to pray, we can lean on it and it can and it can help us. You now and you can, crutches can also help you walk. We also talked about how it's also a road. It's a road map, essentially, right? A, a, a road of prayer that we walk upon in the path of Jesus. And then it's also a lesson for us, because in learning it, we're not just learning to repeat it over and over and over again when we pray. It's also a lesson for us to teach us how to pray what we're, and, and what we're actually praying for. We talked about our God being our father in heaven and how about we, about how we have been adopted as his sons and daughters. We are his children and the scriptures say heirs. Then we talked about God's name being hallowed, which means that we are making his name known and we are making his name holy, that we're we're remembering his good works for us, his good deeds of salvation for us. And we talked about how when we start our prayer with God, whenever we pray, It focuses our attention on God, not on ourselves. I notice with myself, oftentimes when I start to pray, I'll say, open in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and then immediately launch into a petition, like asking for something, or if there's a situation that I need some advice on or or, or God to move, immediately just moving into that. And over the years, I've learned, instead of just jumping right in, we start off when we pray with, with hallowing God's name by focusing on God because we're not just coming to pray because we need something or it's an emergency or we need an answer to prayer tomorrow. Sidebar, I remember one time I, I, <laughs> I needed an answer to prayer about something. I, I, had, I needed a specific direction in regards to something in my life and, and somebody close to me counseled me to pray all day, like all night. And I don't know about you, but I didn't last very long (laughs) because my prayers were very focused around myself, and it was really, really difficult. So when we hallow God's name, we are remembering that we are coming to pray because we love God, not because we want something from him, because he's already given us the greatest gift of all already. He's already made us part of his family through his son, Jesus Christ. Then once we hallow God's name, we move then into the next clause of the Lord's Prayer. And I'll just read the whole thing, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today we're going to focus on this part. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we talk about God's kingdom coming we're separating these a little bit unnaturally, right? Because <laughs> God's kingdom coming, his will being done on earth earth and heaven, it's kind of all mixed together, right? But for clarity, we're going we're to kind of try and break a little, each one apart just a little bit. So when we talk about a kingdom... We think of, well, maybe you. Well, maybe this is me, maybe you might too. When I think of a kingdom, I think of like a castle, <laughs> right? And if you have a castle, what else do you have in, in, in a kingdom? You have, you have knights. And if you have knights, you have uh, the servants. And if you have the servants, you have princesses. And if you have princesses, you have, they don't need to listen to their fathers because they're old enough to date that human sailor. Thank you very much. But when we say God's kingdom... We say God's kingdom coming, it's not like that. It's not like, it is and it isn't, I guess we could say. There's a theologian named Packer where he says that when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking primarily about a relationship. When God's kingdom comes, we pray for his kingdom to come. We're not praying so, and we kind of are, right? We, we are praying for his rule and his reign to extend over all things in fullness. But what we're also doing is we're asking that the gospel message, right, that has been personified in Jesus, the announcement of the good news, the proclamation of the gospel, and how that frees us from our enslave, uh, enslavement to sin and to death. Romans fourteen seventeen, St. Paul reminds us, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. You're like, you've repeated it three times. I know, because it's important. Because when we talk about the kingdom coming, we're talking about the righteousness of God. We're talking about the peace of God. God has made us righteous. He has restored peace between himself and humanity. And as such, we then can respond to that in joy, kingdom of God is primarily a relationship. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're asking that God's saving acts in Christ will be made known to all. The kingdom coming is the hope that the life of Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit would suffuse and transform all humanity into what God created us to become. Next part, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we talk about God's will, it, it asks that it be done. Right? So when we talk about God's will, we need to talk about our will, and we need to talk about a little bit about God's will. Now, there are certain streams of Christianity that teach that our will is so corrupted by sin, even when it looks like we may be choosing something good, it's actually bad, because in our fallenness, we can't actually freely choose the good. So if I were... Say I wasn't a Christian. I was outside of Christ, right? And I saw a homeless person on the street and I were to give them some money to go buy some food. Or if I, were, I had, if I was walking out of McDonald's and I bought three cheeseburgers, I only eat two, by the way, at a time. If I was walking out of McDonald's with even two cheeseburgers and I'm eating one and there's a, somebody sitting on the side of the road who has a sign, I'm hungry, please help. For me to be moved... And to give them that burger and, and to feed them, there's some Christians that would think even though that looks like it's good, it's actually, it actually isn't good because maybe there's a deeper selfishness that I want to feel good about myself, right? But I don't believe that, right? Because the image of God that we've all been created in, that we all carry as human beings, it wasn't destroyed by the fall. Rather, I like to say it was defaced or maybe fractured, Right. What it means is that we can never, it doesn't mean that we can't ever do good or we can't choose to do something good. It means that we are not naturally inclined to do God's will, that we are not naturally inclined to obey God. That sin and death have a hold on us and it distorts how we think and how we act. There's a theologian named Clement who says, God respects human freedom, but in order to keep that freedom from succumbing to darkness, he becomes incarnate and descends into death so that there can be a place where the will of man might unite itself to the divine will. That place is in Christ. In Christ, the human will became painfully and joyously united to that of the Father. And so because that has occurred, because of the incarnation, right, when we respond to the saving message of Jesus Christ, we can then be restored and renewed to obey the will of God. So we have to learn to relearn how to hear and obey God's will. And she right notes that this isn't just a shrugging of the shoulders and saying, well, kind of, que sera, sera. God's going to do what God's going to do. So I just kind of had to passively sit by. He says that this, is, this part of the Lord's prayer is a prayer of subversion and conversion. He says it's subversion in that God's coming yet already here kingdom. It changes our allegiances to political and secular powers. And conversion in the sense that we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and work to align our hearts with God's task of restoring the world. So doing God's will is us learning as Christians, right, to to realign our will to God's will for obedience. So no matter what the events of our lives are, we're asking that God would use those for his own purposes and making us like Jesus, and that, like Jesus, we would go around doing our Father's business. Now, there's also when we talk about God's will being done in me versus um, our will, or setting up the human will versus, versus versus God's will. Commenting on this, one of the church fathers named Saint John Chrysostom wrote this. He said. God has enjoined each one of us who pray to take upon themselves the care of the whole world. He did not say, Thy will be done in me, or Thy will be done in us but everywhere on earth so that error may be destroyed and truth implanted and all wickedness cast out and virtue return and no difference in the respect be henceforth between heaven and earth. So what he's saying is it's not a mistake to pray that God's will be done just in me or in us because Jesus prayed that himself in the garden. We just had that reading from from Hebrews that talked about that but what this part of the lord prayer is focusing on primarily isn't just individualistic but that the prayer focuses on all of us as a whole that the whole people of god together are praying for god's will to be accomplished through them and through others so god's good but fallen world can be redeemed And then we move on to on earth as it is in heaven. So in Scripture, we have this picture of God on his throne, ruling and reigning from heaven, surrounded by the heavenly hosts. And in the New Testament, we get a clear picture of Jesus himself reigning at the Father's right hand and ruling over all things. So we ask for God's kingdom and will to come and to be done. We're asking for God to complete this project of the renewing of all creation, the fullness of life in heaven, that that would come to earth, and that all of human life and existence would enjoy the blessing of God's heavenly rule. So what is life in heaven like? Well, kind of have an idea. No death, no pain, no sin. The presence of God animating and permeating all things. Calm, rest, union, communion, unspeakable joy and gladness. That righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Time's like infinity, right? If we're going to put it in little, ter- little kid terms. We're praying that God's that this fullness of life would, would come. This unfiltered experience of divine love. When we pray for God's will and kingdom to be accomplished on earth, we are asking for the very life of heaven to be poured out upon all of us and that everything wrong will finally be made right. So this isn't just something that we're asking for God to do in the future. That's not the only application. That's one of the, one of the big mistakes. Of Christian history is that some people have applied this only on the future, right? But then some have made the same mistake and focused only primarily kind of on the present, that humans through human effort can transform the world sort of into a paradise. But what this means is we are tasked with bringing the transformative love of God to the lost and dying world that scripture tells us is passing away. Again, Christ's system says you must long for heaven and the things in heaven. However, even before heaven, he has bidden us to make earth a heaven and to do and say all these things, even while continuing in it, as having our conversation there, that these two should be objects of our prayer to the Lord. See then how he hath taught us also to be modest by making it clear that virtue is not of our endeavors only, but also the grace from above. So what he's saying here is, he says that God is is asking us or inviting us in the process of making earth a heaven, and to do and to say all of these things, to continue now, here and now, through our lives, through our prayer, through our obedience, as part of this ongoing, ongoing process. Right. So the Christian life can't just be limited to the sweet by and by, because, like I preached on a few weeks ago on eternal life, heaven and earth at the resurrection will be joined together at the end of time, but it's not just for that time, right? As Christians, we believe that the coming of Jesus has begun all of this in motion, that his kingdom has finally come. We don't see it in its fullness, but we are asked to, to work for the good of others, to work for the transforming of our world in, 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 in real and, and actual helpful ways, which is why we do good works, which is why we collect stockings for soldiers. This is why we collect backpacks for kids that are in need. This is why we donate money to organizations that combat sex trafficking. This is why that we bring fresh produce to a ministry that feeds people and that clothes people and that gives people places to live while they get back on their feet. Why we support places that that do counseling. We do these things not just because it's something that we have to do, but when we do these things, we are participating in the coming of God's kingdom as we await its fullness. We're not called to sit idly by on our couches and our recliners and wait. We are called to do something, to join with God's work so that his will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. and we have to say brothers and sisters that as we work for the good of the world it's a mistake to link the christian faith and the christian care for the world to link that with the political right or with the political left okay now that is a temptation in many christian circles to align themselves with the christian with political power on the right or to align themselves with political power on the left or the political power in the middle or whatever shades of margin or whatever shades of gray you want want to do that that is a mistake because there is something on both sides have something valuable to say right both sides have something that are compatible with our faith but that's why we can never align ourselves completely with any side politically, because the kingdom that we're a part of, the country, right, that we are actually a part of, is the kingdom of God. We are American citizens living in America, and we work for the good of the citizens in America, yes, absolutely, but our primary allegiance before the left or the right, Republican or Democrat, right, our primary allegiance is to Christ. The end of the month. We're gonna be celebrating next month. We're gonna be celebrating right before Advent, Christ the King, Christ the ruler, or the reign of Christ. He is the one to whom we owe our allegiance. Not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not the Libertarians, none of that. We owe our allegiance to Christ. And we can work then with both sides as Christians for the good of the world, for the transformation of of the world social justice brothers and sisters is not a dirty word and it's time that we make sure that we practice it in its proper context not aligning ourselves with any of these sides but working for the good of the world as best we can so that the good news of jesus christ what he has done for our salvation his crucifixion his death His resurrection, His ascension, His sending of the Holy Spirit, that all of these things combined with the good that we do will help us to make His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven as we await the final coming together of all things at the end of time. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the inbreaking of your kingdom through His life and death resurrection and ascension and his ongoing work in and through us. I ask that you would help us to be mindful of, our, of the time and place that we are, that we find ourselves in, and to the world that you've called us to love and that you have called us to serve. Help us in whatever way we can, in whatever way we can, to be a part of your coming kingdom and that your will will that it would be done on earth, even as it is done in heaven. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. We have deep roots here in our community, and we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're looking for a traditionally grounded, biblically faithful church, come visit us. We just might be the church you're looking for. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com. Please be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, and check us out on Facebook at Zionstone UCC. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.